Hey, today we're taking a break from the book of Philippians, and we're going to be looking at how to be a godly and great dad. Now, church, this is important. It's really important because we're living in a culture that has a lot of issues, and we're going to talk about this in a minute or two. Uh, and a big part of the problems in our culture, a big part of the problems of the decay of our culture is a lack of godly dads. Let me give you some quotes this morning uh, before we look at the scripture this morning, some quotes from some famous people on the importance of a godly dad and great dads. So let's throw them up on the screen. Um, this is one of my heroes right here, Billy Graham. Look what he says about the importance of godly good dads. He says, a good father is one of the most unsung, unpraised, unnoticed, yet one of the most valuable assets in what? In our society. Another quote, um, this is by the president of Notre Dame, actually. The most important thing a father can do for his children is to what? Love their mother. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. Next quote. Um, I was raised, this is Max Lucado, great author. I was raised in the greatest of homes, just a really great dad. And I miss him so much. He was a good man, a real simple man, very faithful, always loved my mom, always provided for the kids, and just a lot of fun. Dads, that's one thing you do for your kids too. Not only live godly lives, but have some time, some fun times with them. It'll make a difference in their lives. Charles Spurgeon, great preacher of the 1800s, says, train up a child in the way he should go. <laughs> that's great. But be sure you go that way yourselves. Amen, dads? Next quote. This is Rick Johnson, The Power of Fathers. It says, as fathers, we have the power to impact generations of lives. Make sure your impact in the 21st century is a positive one. Next quote. Dana Sraney, the founder of Family Life, great family organization, says, what a boy can use and too often doesn't have are the heart of his father and the fellowship of men. A boy needs at least one man who pays attention to him, spends time with him, and admires him. And I'd say that for a daughter also. A boy, a boy and a daughter needs a role model, a man he can regard as a what? It's more important, dads, that you're a leader with your kids than just a friend. You need to lead them and mentor them. Next quote. This is by the actual governor, former governor of New York State. I watched as a small man with thick calluses on both hands work 15, 16-hour days. I saw him once literally bleed from the bottoms of his feet, a man who came here uneducated, alone, unable to speak the language, who taught me all I needed to know about faith and hard work by the, notice this, by the simple eloquence of his what? Example. There you go, guys. Example. Charles Wood Woodworth, great quote, says this, by the time a man realizes that maybe his father was right, he usually has a son <laughs> who thinks he's wrong. <laughs> That's pretty good. George Herbert said this, our one father is more than a hundred schoolmasters. See the importance of dads? And so we're going to look at today from the scriptures how you can be a godly great dad for your kids. And we're going to see that right from the word of God. We're going to, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. Now, before we get into the scriptures though, I, I want to, well, let's do this. Let's do our tradition. What do we do before we get in the word of God? Stand up. Come on. Church, stand up. Awaken from your sleep. We're just saying that. Stand up. Let's go. This is our statement of faith, right? If you have a Bible, hold it up. If you don't have a Bible, just repeat it. We'll, right? we'll do it together. Ready? This Bible is the inspired, and if, come on, church, is the infallible Word of God. It has the power to train me in righteousness. I'll receive God's Word today with humility and respect. My ears are open, my mind is alert, and my heart is receptive to God's Word. May this time in God's Word 
equip me to love God, love people, and be a part of the mission of each one, what? Reach one. In Jesus' name and all God's church said, amen. amen. Well done, church. Well done. Hey, by the way, each one, reach one. We talked about it last week a little bit. We're going to be uh, uh, doing a French Sunday, the first Sunday of every month. We do that because that's good. For, uh, that's our communion time. And as we celebrate the cross, at the end of every first Sunday of the month with our friend Sunday, we're presenting the gospel, giving people opportunity to receive Christ. And I'm going to start getting us more intentional on this. I want everybody to get on the same page. We're inviting people on that Sunday to hear the gospel. And so we talked about last week, we're even going to, you know, the Bible says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. We're even going to give you bait. And the bait we're going to give you is, is, is if you bring a friend on that first Sunday of the month at the Welcome Center, there will be a $5 gift card at Dunkin' Donuts. Dunkin' Donuts for coffee or donuts for, for your friend that you bring and for you. Well, John, that's bribery. Yeah. Yeah. I'm giving you bait. And we're, we're going to be intentional in regards to we, we want to be an inviting, welcoming church. And so please, put that on your thing. We got uh, invitations the last Sunday this month. We're going to give you invitations to reach out for that friend Sunday. But listen, a part of our job as a church is to be an inviting church, a welcoming church, a church that's going out to the highways and hedges, compelling people to come into God's house. That's what Jesus said. We're to be fishers of men. So let's get on with that. Amen? So, good, godly, great dads. We're going to talk about that this morning. You know, uh, Greg Laurie just came out with a new book. It's about the, the importance of godly dads. And so let's, let's look at some of the statistics Greg Laurie gives, why godly dads in our culture is needed. Look at this statistics. These are sobering statistics of what happens when dads aren't present in their kids' lives. Look at this. It says, children who live with one parent only has tripled from 1960, 9% of our culture, to 27%. 27% of kids are living without a dad in their home. Inner city kids, this is sobering right here. Inner city kids, in the inner city of, uh, of our, our cities around the nation, 64% have no father figure at all in their homes that they grow up in. Wow. Fatherless kids are 100 to 200% more likely to have emotional and behavioral problems. Children from fatherless homes are 68% more likely to use drugs or alcohol and three times more likely to commit a violent crime. This is all from Greg Laurie's book. 71% of high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Next statistic. 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 90% come from fatherless homes. 80% of all youth sitting in a prison today were raised in a fatherless home. Fatherless sons are 300 times more likely to become incarcerated in state juvenile institutions. Fatherless daughters, look at this, are 111% more likely to have children as teenagers. Fatherless daughters are 164% more likely to give birth outside of wedlock. Now, listen, with those statistics, I know if you're a single mom or a single parent, that might be, oh, like this. We don't want to, oh, to you this morning. We know if you're a single parent and there's no dad in your home, that's a tough job. And we want to support you and encourage you. We don't want to demean you. We don't want to make your situation worse. And God bless you, single parents. Keep up the good work. Amen? Let's, let's, and I know it's so difficult. We're not demeaning that. But what we're trying to show with those statistics is the importance of dads. We're trying to show to you dads that you are much needed. And, and there's such a great need, especially in our culture today, for godly and great dads. Now, uh, I was thinking about that a little bit this, this week as I was studying the scripture on being a great godly dad. Why is there such an absence of dads? 
What's the problem with the lack of godly and great dads in our culture? There's three things I thought of this week as I was thinking of that. There's an absence and there's a need for great godly dads in our culture today because there's a drift away in our society from the biblical design of marriage. One of the reasons there's a lack of godly and great dads is because there's a lack of godly and great husbands. And dads, if you want to be a, a great dad, first of all, be a great husband. One of the greatest things you can do for your kids in regards to security, stability, and strength in their lives is to love their mother. And as you love their mom, that's going to be a big part of you being a great dad and a godly dad. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says you're supposed to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Dads, do that for your kids. Love her well. I remember when our kids were growing up and we had the four happy kids and they were all over the place and life was crazy and we were planting churches and one of the things we did do that helped, I think, in our raising of the kids is Heidi and I stayed committed, especially in those early years with our kids, to having a date night. And going on, we, and we were broke. And somebody said, we can't do a date night. I can't afford it. Yes, you can find a way. Co-op with somebody else. Watch their kids if they'll watch your kids. But find a way, dads, to continue to romance and court your wives. It's the, one of the best things you could do for your kids. Another reason why I think there's a, a lack of godly and great dads in our culture today is because of the decaying values that are around us. There's just a, there's just a I mean, it's gotten worse. Have you noticed that? If you don't think it's gotten worse, just look at TV. When I was a kid, the, 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 the TV shows, and I'm dating myself here, were, were Dick Van Dyke. Remember Dick Van Dyke walking in the house and jumping over that thing, and, ooh, and Mary Tyler Moore, right? Some of you younger folks here say, who's Dick Van Dyke? It's a famous show when I was growing up as a kid, and, it, and the, the values in some of the shows growing up as a kid, the Andy Griffith show, Dick Van Dyke show, Lucy, um, later, a little bit later on, Partridge Family, all those things, the, Brady Bunch. There's a different value in our culture than there is today. And you know what? It's tough on kids growing up. The devil has more tools today than he's ever had in this culture that we're living in. We didn't have, when I was growing up, we didn't have internets and cell phones, and we didn't have all this stuff going on. That, uh, you know, and, and, and it's gone from cell phones now to smartphones, and sometimes those smartphones are what's polluting our kids. It's a lot of, a lot of weapons. Just, and again, just look at TV. Again, look at, when, I remember Dick Van Dyke's show and the Lucy show. They, they, they had single beds when they showed bedroom scenes because they don't want to imply that they were even even though they were married. That's the values. We're so much more protected in that culture than it is today. And then today, we have VH1, we have MTV, we have, what's the show, Bachelorette and Bachelor? I've never watched that show and I never will. I'm sorry if you like it. But there's values being in our culture that's decaying. And we need to go against the current of our culture because the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God that what is good and acceptable and perfect. And just because everybody's going with the current values doesn't mean that as Christians we go with the flow. Any dead fish can go with the current. A live fish swims upstream. And dads, you need to be doing that for your kids. I mean, raising your kids not in the current cultural values, but in the, cult and the values of God's word. God's word needs to be our values, not the world. Third reason 
why we're having a problem with godly and great dads in our culture today. It's, is, 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 is not only because of the drift away from the marriage, decaying values, but also because of the end times we're living in. Description of the end times, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Let's put it up on the screen. And we're in the end times, church. We are. We're close. And in these last days, this describes what's the cultural values, what's going to be happening in these last days. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says this, But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Look at this. Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than what? Is that our United States of America and our culture and our world today? It's just getting worse. There's this decaying going on in, in the values because we're in the last days. And notice, one of the description of the last days is kids will be what with their parents? Disobedient to their parents. You know, I remember when our kids were growing up, one of the, there were certain shows on TV that were just out of bounds, even though it was just on regular TV. Whenever that music started playing, what, Married with Children, whatever it was called, and then that, my kids would channel surf and that music started coming on, how do you say, turn the channel? Or, and I, I, God bless you if you like to know, but hey, Simpsons, out of bounds for our kids. Because there was just a blatant disrespect for parents in the values of those shows. And that's the culture we're living in. It's almost cool to just be disobedient against your parents. And that's the opposite of what Scripture says we're supposed to be as Christian families in teaching our kids. So let's turn to our scriptures to verify what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 4. If you're there, say amen. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1. Let's just read it first. Just four verses. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is what? It's right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it might be what? Well with you, and that you might live long on the earth. Here it is, fathers. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in what? That's a word for our culture today. Discipline and what? Instruction of the Lord. Okay, first thing I want you to see, dads, and moms too. You're supposed to bring your kids up in discipline, but it says specifically to children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. How many of you have been like me in a, a, a bylaw or a Publix and there's, a, there's a, someone in front of you in the, in the line waiting for food and they have one of those kids? And the mom's telling that kid, do this. And that kid's, I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. And then, the, then she, she, she ratchets it up a little bit. So you do, do what I tell you. No, I'm not. And then the kid starts actually going off on the mom. I don't know about you. I've been tempted in those situations to, to, to spank that kid. I haven't done it, and I won't do it, but man, I just want, mom, for goodness sake, spank the kid, or bring him out to the car and spank him. Do something. But listen, first of all, it says, if your children don't listen, uh, learn obedience, notice the ramifications of that in the Scripture. It's not going to go, it says right there, first of all, it's right, and honoring father and mother We'll help them have a life that things will go well with them. Hmm. Things will go well with them. 
and they'll live long upon the earth. See that? The importance of obedience, man. You are not... You can tell this is something I'm passionate about. You are not doing your kids a favor by being their friend more than their parents. You're not doing your kids a favor by, by saying this is wrong, setting boundaries, and then not enforcing those boundaries. Why? Because it's not going to go well with them. And they're not going to have a long, blessed life if you don't teach them obedience. Why? Because if they don't learn un, to come under your authority, they're not going to come under the authority of that teacher. They're not going to come under the authority of that coach. They're not going to come under the authority of that police officer. They're not going to come under the authority of that boss that they're going to have someday. And how's that going to go for them? Can you say along with Donald Trump, you're fired, right? It's obedience, obedience. Interesting. It says, it's quoting the, uh, the Ten Commandments there. And it's interesting because in the Ten Commandments, there was two sets of laws. There was vertical laws First four commandments have to do with your vertical relationship with God. And then the next six commandments, I believe they're on the two tablets. I think the first four commandments were on the first tablet. The, the next six commandments were on the second tablet. The second tablet had to do all, not with your vertical, it has to do with your horizontal. And if, as you look at the Ten Commandments, commandment, commandment uh, from uh, five through ten have to do with your horizontal relationships. Guess which of the Ten Commandments is the first horizontal commandment. Honor your father and mother. Honor them. Interesting to me. The first of the horizontal commandments is not thou shall not murder, although that's important. It's not thou shall not steal, although that's important. It's not that thou shall not, it's not even the first of the horizontal commandments, it's not even thou shall not commit adultery. What's the first of the horizontal commandments? It's honor your father and your mother. Very important, we're teaching our kids these things. So, let's, let's go on the scripture now. Fathers are being directly addressed now. The first thing it says with fathers, go back to the scripture, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. That's the first thing on the list, that now we're direct, um, uh, directly towards dads. And then the King James Version says, do not provoke your kids to wrath to wrath. In the, in the uh, other scripture that's kind of a parallel scripture to this, Colossians 3.21, it says, don't, don't uh, exasperate your children so they will not lose heart. That could also be translated in NIV version. It's translated so that they won't become discouraged. Literally in the Greek is so that they won't have spirits that are broken. So dads, start with this. After you see the importance of teaching your kids obedience, second thing on the list, very important, if you're going to be a godly great dad, raise your kids in such a way that you're not raising bitter, angry kids that are discouraged and broken in spirit because of the way that you treat them as their dad. Let's get real specific here. What are some ways that you, you can potentially provoke your kids to wrath or to anger or to bitterness or discouragement? I'll give you a list of at least four unrealistic, unrealistic expectations. If your kid is a B student, he comes home with Bs, he doesn't have any As, don't downgrade him because he's not an A student like the other kid you might have. I remember baseball. I remember when our kids were in Dixie League, Little, little League Baseball, 
And some of these coaches would expect seven-year-olds to be able to play like high school students. Unrealistic expectations. And many of them were dads downgrading their kids because they weren't meeting their expectations. Because they were trying to live vicariously through their kids. Be careful with that. Don't have unrealistic expectations of your kids. You know, don't, don't give them a hard time if they're not meeting what you expect them to be doing. Be careful with that. Another way that you provoke, provoke your kids to wrath, lack of verbal affirmation. What do I mean by that? The famous verse on swearing, we always use it for swearing all the time, Ephesians 4.29, it's not just about swearing. It says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for building others up according to the need of a moment that it might give grace to those who hear it. Here's what kids need from us, especially dads. They need grace, and they need encouragement. They need building up through our words rather than tearing down. Book of Proverbs says that our words can bring life or death, blessing or cursing, healing or hurt. Be careful with your words with your kids. Please, be careful. When we first started this church, we went back to Wisconsin after a few years to visit the church we started in Wisconsin, and we stayed with two of our good friends. And they were good friends. I mean, they had kids our age. Uh, we did the co-op with them where she watched our kids when we'd go on date nights, and Heidi would watch her kids when we'd go on date nights or when they'd go on date nights. And so they were just good friends. So we got together with them. And we stayed at their house when we went back to visit the church up there and just kind of reunited with them and stuff. But I was a little concerned because the guy that was my good friend had a teenage son who was already starting to go off the rails a little bit. So in his effort to try to get his teenage son to get back, back on track, he's just being really demeaning to him. I remember just hearing him interact with his son uh, and saying, you, you know, you're just lazy. Not only you're lazy, you don't even know how to get up in the morning. You're never going to make anything with your life. And he was just berating him with his words. And you know what? I wish now I had kind of got along with him and tried to coach him a little bit more on that because, you know what? He became a prophet of doom in his own son's life. And guess what his son did? To this day, I think he's still off the rails because his son said, you know, you think I'm lazy? I'll be lazy. I'll fulfill the words you're speaking into my life. Dads, be careful with that because as a man thinketh, so he is. And if you're planting into your kids' lives negative words about that they're losers or they're lazy or they can't get up, guess what? They're going to prove you right. But just the opposite is true too as you sow into your kids' Words that are building up and encouraging and, and giving them grace. That's going to help them fulfill what God's destiny is for their lives. My dad had issues. My dad was an alcoholic for 35 years. He had personal issues. But my dad was great in this area. He always affirmed me. I don't know. I, could, I, can't, I can't tell you how many times. I, I remember directly looking back at times when I would do something. My dad would come alongside me and say, I'm proud of you, son. Well done. You don't know how much those words meant to me. That brought security into my life and stability because I had a dad that believed in me and sowed those words of encouragement into my life. Dads, let's do that for our kids. Let's not provoke them to wrath by the words we speak into their lives. Amen? Let's be careful. The book of James says we're supposed to tame our tongues because one word could be like a little match that lights a whole forest fire in other people's lives. Be careful with your words. Be careful. Here's another thing. There's another way that you can provoke your kids to wrath. Favoritism. You know, some of your kids, it's going to be easier for you to like than other kids. I know this. Our first son was so easy. I wanted Heidi to have at least a dozen after he was born. I talked her into four. 
But for, part of the reason why we had as many kids as we had is because our kid, first kid was one of those kids, good temperament, just easygoing, easy to raise. And, and by the way, he's got my name, John G. Hoppy IV. It would have been very easy for me to show, and I have made that mistake of showing favoritism towards him sometimes as the firstborn. But I remember as our kids were growing up, I was reminded by Heidi often, and I was reminded by the Holy Spirit too. Hey, by the way, that's a good combination, an accountability with your wife and the Holy Spirit convicting you, right? And I remember being, uh, being convicted by the Holy Spirit, don't do that. Don't, don't show favoritism to the oldest son. Now look at the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. How'd that go with him when dad showed favoritism? He got thrown in a pit and thrown into slavery in Egypt, almost killed by his own brothers because of the favoritism that dad showed towards Joseph in the book of Genesis. Be careful with that, dads. Love all your kids equally, equally. Amen? Another way you can provoke your kids to wrath. Last thing on my list here is, hey, this is convicting, guys, because it's convicting to me. Neglect, lack of time. You know what? If you got kids in your home still, don't blink. I tell that to preschool moms all the time. <laughs> I know you're going through it right now. But, hey, enjoy this time you have with your kids. Don't blink. They're going to be out of the house before you know Because I know. All my kids have left me. They've flown the coop. They're married, working. Praise the Lord, they're off the payroll. But, but they're gone. And if I have one regret about my parenting, my one regret is we went through four major building um, times in this church, four major building programs that I kind of took the bull, bull by the horns and it was a big part of those. Uh, started with a cafe and then went to our Jesus Dome and then I went to the preschool building and then to this building. And there were seasons when we were in our building programs with this church where I was just zoned in and so zoned in that I didn't spend time during some of those seasons with my kids. And if I had to do over, I would have taken a little bit more time with those building programs and spent a little bit more time with my kids during those building programs if I had to do over. It's one thing I wish I could do over again because you know what those 18 years you have with each one of those kids, they go before you know it, amen? So spend time with those kids. And one of the ways you could tell your kids you love them is not by the money you give them but the time you give them. That's important. Otherwise, you're going to provoke your kids to wrath. If you don't, don't prioritize that time. I, Father's Day we celebrated uh, this last Friday night up in Greenville because two of my kids live with spouses up in Greenville. And we just got all the Hoppy clan together on Friday night. We just hung out. Had little Adele, my little grandbaby there, running around the house entertaining everybody and stuff. And I tell you, that was the best gift I had for Father's Day, just spending time with the kids. And there's significant others who are now our kids too. And that grandbaby. And you know what? Take advantage of that with your kids. Spend time with them. Value that time and pour into them. And don't neglect that time. Amen? Otherwise, you're provoking your kids to anger because of your neglect. Just bottom line. Now, it says after, don't provoke dads, your children to wrath or to anger. The next thing it says is we are to positively raise them how? In what? First thing on the list. Ooh. How are we to raise our kids? And the what? Discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That's countercultural. I remember one of the last Oprah shows I saw. She was, I was just flipping it, and Oprah's on, and she's on with some family psychologist, and both of them were saying, if you spank your kids, you're wrong. You're hurting their creativity. You're snuffing out their self-esteem. 
You're, you're, you're laying trips on them. You're abusing them through spanking them. Listen, I turned the channel and I said, hey, Oprah, you don't have a clue because sometimes our kids need the board of understanding to this, or the, the board of education to their seat of understanding. That's what they need. Discipline. And I got biblical precedence for that too. Listen to the Proverbs. Listen to what Proverbs says about discipline, dads. Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod, what? Hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Look at uh, chapter 19 of Proverbs, verse 18. Discipline your son while there's hope and don't desire his death. Proverbs 22, 15. This is a good one. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs 29, 15. The rod and reproof give wisdom. But a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. You see the importance of discipline, dads? I tell you what, I wasn't raised with this. I'll be honest with you. I had parents that were liberal, Dr. Spock generation parents. And that's not Star Trek. Dr. Spock was the psychologist, interesting, who came out in the 60s and told a whole generation of parents, don't you dare spank your kids. And what's interesting about that is Dr. Spock, after telling a whole generation of parents, don't discipline, don't spank your kids, in the 1980s, he came out, that same Dr. Spock, and said, well, I guess I was wrong. How dare you? He said, I guess I was wrong in telling parents not to spank their kids. And I tell you what, so I grew up with this thing of not spanking because of the Dr. Spock generation, and that's part of the excuse of the way I am. No, I'm just, but, but I remember getting married to Heidi, she grew up with Christian parents, went to Christian school, had a godly dad, godly mom, and she had parents that disciplined her. So when we had kids, guess what Heidi did? Disciplined our kids. And she had this little method of boundaries, and she'd set the boundary, and then she'd say, okay, and they'd cross the boundary, she'd go, okay, one, two, and then by the time three, they knew to get in line, or they were going to get, again, the board of education to the seat of understanding. And I remember the first time she started disciplining our kids, and I didn't, I didn't grow up with that. And I said, boy, what are you doing to my kids? Spank! And I'm going, that's a little harsh, isn't it? You must have some pent-up anger or something. What's he doing? And, and I just didn't get it at first. But then I started to get it. You know why? Because I saw she started disciplining our kids with godliness and training and spanking. Our kids start listening. This foolishness would be driven out of them. And they actually, because of that, they would start, I see, they're becoming good kids. So you know what I did? I got with the program. And I started disciplining our kids too. Pop Pop started saying one, two, three also. And I tell you what, if they crossed the boundary, I, I did it in love. But man, I'd spank them. I'll never forget one time John G. and David were out in the driveway. This is, they weren't preschoolers anymore. They were in school, and, and they were playing basketball with the hoops out in the driveway. And, and David, who's our strong-willed child, who's also really competitive, got schooled by John G. And he got through this temper tantrum. And I'm walking out seeing the temper tantrum from the house at Rollingwood where we lived that time. And David takes the ba- It was like almost slow-motion scene. He takes the basketball, and as John G. is walking away after schooling him, he takes the basketball, and he reams John G. out in the head with the basketball. Well, I, I, didn't, I, I, I grabbed him by the seat of his pants and I took him inside and I 
spanked him, and I spanked him good. You know, I get together with David now. He's 29 years old. He still talks about that. <laughs> he goes, I remember when you did that to me. That It's like, but you know what? He never threw a basketball at his big brother's head again. He changed. And he's a good guy now. And he's, 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 he's a gentleman. But a part of that was teaching him as a strong-willed child, certain things are out of bounds. And if you cross those boundaries, you're going to get it. You're going to get discipline. Raise your kids in the discipline First of all, and then the instruction of the Lord. Now, along these lines, let me give you a couple tips on that, dads, of disciplining your kids. Start young. Start young. Don't wait till your kid is a teenager to start disciplining. It ain't going to work. Start young. Second thing, give them boundaries. Let them know what's, what's right and wrong, what's out, out, of, out, of, out of control, and what's going to be disciplined. Give them boundaries. And if they cross those boundaries, hey, discipline them. Very important. Don't let them cross the boundaries and get away with it. Number three, don't discipline in anger, but discipline them in love. And after you discipline your kids, sit them down and let them know you love them, man. Let them know that they're not off limits and they're in the doghouse forever. Just let them know you love them after you discipline them. That's important. And then restore them. Susanna Wesley, who's the father or the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who, by the way, were just incredible men of God, John Wesley went on to become a great evangelist. Part of this is one of the greatest revivals in America has ever seen was because of John Wesley's preaching and leadership. Charles Wesley, his brother, raised by Susanna Wesley, also wrote thousands of hymns, including hymns that are still sung today. But listen, Susanna Wesley, she had 17 kids. Can you imagine having 17 kids? I get tired just thinking about that. But she had 17 kids, and she used to have an apron and what she'd do is, in the middle of the day, she'd be so worn out. She, the, 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 the boundary for her kids was she'd take the apron and she'd put it above her, on her head like that. And all the kids would leave her alone because that's when mom's praying because the apron's over her head. She had to do that just to have time. But she was a disciplinarian of her kids. And she raised 17 great kids. She said this. She said, the parent who helps to subdue uh, self-will in a child walks together with God in the renewing and saving of that child's soul. See the d- importance of discipline by a lady that did it, Susanna Wesley? Okay, now, now the next thing. next thing I want you to see is you're not only to raise your kids in the discipline of the Lord, but what does it say? Instruction of the Lord. Instruction. After you set boundaries, discipline the kid, after you teach them obedience, then instruct them in the Lord. Instruct them in the Lord. I love the sh- uh, Shema, which is the uh, thing that Jews to this day repeat in their prayers. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Put it up on the screen. No, this is what dads were supposed to do. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. These words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Dads, you shall teach them diligently to your sons. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign in your hand. They shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Instruction. Some tips on instructing dads your kids in the Lord. First of all, make sure you're loving God's word yourself. You're never going to teach your kids how to, how to love God's word and be in God's word unless you're in God's word. 
That's why Christianity is often more caught than taught. As they see you have a love for God's Word, and you're reading it, and you're meditating, you're coming to church, hearing it taught, and you're studying God's Word yourself, you're going to pass that love for God's Word down to your kids, and it'll help them be people of the Word also that will grow in the instruction of the Lord because you've set the example for that. Teach your kids that. Live it before them. If you want to instruct them, then live it first. You're not going to be able to pass on what you don't have. If you want them to catch it, have it yourself. Because again, Christianity is more often, often caught than taught. Here's another thing. Dads, you want your kids to grow in the instruction of the Lord? Then have a genuine walk with God. Spend time with God, not only in His Word, but in prayer. Because that's where oftentimes we're instructed, is not only through God's Word, but as we spend time in the presence of God, God instructs us through the Spirit to be who God's called us to be. Have your kids catch you praying sometimes, just on your own, because you have quiet times on a regular basis. Make that a part of your life. That's a part of raising your kids in the instruction of the Lord. Hey, another thing, church, listen. If you want your kids to grow in the instruction of the Lord, keep them in church and get, let them stay in. Have a priority as a family of raising your kids in church. I've heard some parents say, well, as soon as my kids become teenagers, I'm going to let them make the decision. They could go to church whether they want to or not. Wrong decision right there. When our kids were growing up in our home, when they, especially when they became teenagers, they were in church. They were under our house and our rules, and the hoppy rule is if you live in the hoppy house, on Sundays you go to church, on Wednesday nights you go to youth group, no options there. Raise your kids in church, because that's when the instruction of the Lord will come in their lives sometimes. It's wonderful. This next generation here at Calvary Chapel, we're already seeing it. They're, they're being raised up in the instruction of the Lord, and now God's using them. They're, they're seeing from their parents the importance of being in church and serving in church. We were led by Brooke here on, uh, this morning in worship, and I love that. We're seeing kids in our youth group being raised up to be leaders and actually be people that are leading us into God's presence. That's the way it should work. Raising our kids in the instruction of the Lord. But a part of that is you having a priority to church. And then your kids will have a priority too. Our our kids, there was never an option. If you're living in our house, you're going to be a part of church, you're going to be in church, and you're going to go to youth ministry, and you're going to be instructed in the Lord. No option. And it's done them well. You know why? Because now, that's just a part of their, their, their paradigm of life. And they're in different cities now. They're not here anymore. But they're in the cities they're in. They're in church. I talked to my daughter yesterday. I said, hey, I'm going to this you know, Father's Day buffet thing. And I was bribing her to come again today to go out to lunch with us. But she said, Dad, I'd love to go to lunch with you tomorrow. But you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm in children's ministry. I've committed to it tomorrow morning. And, I, and she lives in Aiken. She goes, and I'm not leaving that church until each parent picks up their kid, which means I'll be at church till 1 o'clock tomorrow afternoon. It's not going to work with your time frame. And I said, well, God bless you. And I, and I might have sounded a little bit disappointed because you called back Heidi, not knowing I was there, and they started talking, and she started crying because she let me down. And so I interjected in the phone, hey, Dad's here too. Everything's cool. Stay in church. We serve those kids tomorrow, right? But she's got that commitment to be in church and even serve in church because she learned that from us as parents saying this is important. Do you see that? Do you see that? Amen. If, if you say amen, if you see that. So dad's one of the greatest things you could do for your kids is raise them in the instruction of the Lord. And a part of that is loving God's word yourself, being a man of prayer that has a genuine relationship with Christ, but also a man that's committed 
committed to being in church where you're being instructed in the Lord and you're modeling that to your kids, the importance of the body of Christ and the bride of Christ and being a part of that. You know, I was reading about two guys. Let's see if I, oh, dropped on the ground right here. I was reading about two guys that are guys that are pastors, sons. And this was several years ago. One of them is Chuck Smith Jr., the son of the founder of Calvary Chapel. Another one is Richard Strauss, who went on to pastor a large church in Escondido, California. And they were being interviewed about the impact of their dads upon their lives and the instruction of the Lord. Chuck Smith Jr. and then Richard Strauss. Richard Strauss, first of all, in this interview said, several things come to mind when I think of the leadership of my dad. My dad had his study at home. And one day I walked past my dad's study and heard him talking. I knew there was nobody in his office, so I thought, who's dad talking to? So I sat down and listened, and I realized he was out loud he was praying. And this pastor now said, listening to his dad, he said, I sat there for 10 or 15 minutes, and I just listened. It was a moving experience. And after that, every once in a while, if I knew he was praying, I'd sit outside his door and listen. And that's something that's grown more meaningful now than it, than it was even at that time. It's a good thing, isn't it? Hey, let's have our kids catch us sometimes just having quiet times, having devotions prioritizing that in our lives. Chuck Smith Jr. put it this way when he was interviewed the same question. What impact of your dad? Chuck Smith Jr. said, one thing I took for granted that I've come to appreciate in, in my family is intimacy with God and his word that our families always enjoyed. Our constant orientation in our family was towards God. That's where we sought our solutions. That's how we addressed life. My wife is still somewhat uncomfortable about praying out loud, Chuck, Chuck Smith Jr. said. But for me... Having grown up this way, praying extemporaneously, it's just a natural expression of life. I've appreciated the fact that I feel at home in Scripture and in the presence of God, and part of that is due to the environment in which I was raised. See that, dads? Bring up your kids not only in the discipline of the Lord, but what? The instruction of the Lord. And one of the greatest ways we can instruct is live it out ourselves. Be men of the Word. Be men of prayer. Be men that are committed to being in church, and that'll go a long ways. So, what do we learn, dads? How can we be God, godly great dads? Well, first of all, hey, don't be afraid to impart the value in a decaying value culture of obedience. Teach our kids obedience. And a part of the way we teach them obedience is discipline. Don't be afraid to discipline your kids. Now, do it with love. Do it in a non-abusive way, in a loving way. But for goodness sake, if they, if they need the board of, of, uh, of education to the seat of understanding, give it to them and do it with love. But also raise them in the instruction of the Lord. Hey, teach them the scriptures. Be like the Shema, the, the, the Deuteronomy chapter 6, when they rise up and when they go down at night, hey, impart God's word to them. Very important to raise our kids in instruction, not only the discipline, but the instruction of the Lord. I remember growing up, I had a dad that was struggling with personal issues and everything else and alcoholism and all that kind of stuff, so he wasn't really walking with the Lord. But I had a grandpa who I was named after, John G. Hoppe Sr., was a godly great dad. And he was a godly great grandpa, too. Not great grandpa, but he was a godly great grandpa. And I remember every summer, one of my favorite times of my childhood memories was I'd spend August up at his lake house in Wild Rose, Wisconsin with all my cousins. 
And I remember going up there, and it was like paradise. And I remember going up there and water skiing and swimming all day and just having friends around that whole lake. And we just, man, we lit it up. We, it's the best time of my, of my childhood was up at Grandpa Hoppy's lake house. But a part of the reason why it was such a great time, though, too, is because he was a godly man. And there was a security there and a stability and a strength and a love that was there because Christ was a part of his DNA and a part of the way he raised us. And I'll never forget Grandpa Hoppy. Every Sunday morning we were at the lake house. We'd have everybody there and stuff. He'd wake us all up with hymns in the morning. He had one of those reel-to-reel tapery things. I don't know if you ever remember those things. But he would crank in that thing on Sunday morning, waking us all up. We'd have sunburns. He'd get us out of bed. And I'll never forget, because he'd have us around the dining room table, and he'd teach us songs about, here we are like fish. Or, uh, well, I don't know. Anyway, so basically a song about, about wanting food, and the, we need to be fed. And we'd be banging the forks on the table and stuff. And, but then I'll never forget the meals, dinners we'd have. We'd have, we'd have great food and everything else, but... But after the dinner, we all want to go down fishing because when the sun started going down, that's when the fish were biting. Grandpa said, nope, you're not leaving the table. Not leaving the table until we get into God's Word. Take the Bible out, and we'd read Scripture, and then you do a daily bread, and then you pray for us all as grandkids. And then I'll never forget Sunday mornings, too, because, again, he'd wake us up with hymns on Sunday mornings, and he'd bring us to this little Presbyterian church that was a godly church, taught God's Word. We'd, we'd, we would double the attendance with all the uncles and aunts and all the cousins. And I remember sitting in that church. I wasn't even saved yet. I remember sitting in that church and seeing that picture of Jesus at the door with the staff. And it was from the scripture, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And I remember hearing God's word. And that was just a part of the culture of being with Grandpa Hoppy. You're going to be in church on Sunday morning. You're staying with me. And you know what? As I got older and people started witnessing to me, and the Lord started drawing me by the Holy Spirit. A lot of that openness on my part to the drawing of the Holy Spirit and the witnessing that came in my life was because there were seeds planted by Grandpa Hoppy being a godly and great granddad. He set me up. He set me up to come to Christ. And I can't wait to get to heaven and see Grandpa Hoppy again. Tell him, thank you. Thank you for being a godly, great Grandpa, thank you for planting those seeds in my life. And thank you, Grandpa, for living it before my eyes to see what, a, what it is to be a godly man. I want to be that for my kids and my grandkids. And I want dads, I want you to be, have that in your arsenal for your kids and your grandkids too. Amen? So let's pray for that right now. Father, we just thank you so much for the instruction of your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Thank you, God, that we grow as we get into God's word to be the men and the women you've called us to be. And Father, I pray for every dad now that, that, they would, that dads here in this, this church would apply what we've learned this morning. Help us to be men of your word. Men that not only speak word, your word in our kids' lives or our grandkids' lives, but we live it before them. Help us to be men that are raising our kids in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Help us to be teaching this next generation the importance of obedience to authority, but also the importance of living godly lives in a culture that's ungodly. 
And Father, I pray for not only the dads here this morning for that, I pray for the moms too. Give the moms and the dads the discipline, the instruction, the love, the patience, the grace, the strength that they need to raise this next generation for Christ. Thank you, God, that you forgive us for our failures. And Lord, I pray for uh, those that are struggling with some you know, failures that they've had or some kids that have gone astray. Just give them hope in the midst of that. Give them strength. Give them a, a sense of trusting in your provision and your providence in the midst of that, Lord. Father, I pray for single parents that are here too, Lord. I pray that you just help them in the struggle that they have in being a single parent. Just give them strength. Give them wisdom. Give them guidance. Give them the ability to raise those kids maybe just as a single parent too, Lord. Thank you, God, for your word again. Thank you, God, for your instruction. Thank you for church. And Lord, help us not to just be hearers of your word, God. Help us to be doers. Help us to be people that are living out what we're learning. And I pray for this next generation too, Lord. Would you raise up an army of young people that will turn this world upside down for Christ, or better yet, even right side up for Christ. And Lord, help us to be a part of imparting godliness to this next generation so we could see one more revival before you rapture us out of here, Lord. I pray for that, God. And I pray again for us parents that even for parents that have kids out of the home like Heidi and I, help us to continue to mentor, help us to continue to lead, help us to continue to live it before their lives and pass it on to the next generation. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, amen.